had a busy weekend, concert Friday night, Ebel Club Saturday afternoon, another concert last night. So I'm ready for a nap. Me yeah. too. Yeah, me too. That's why you come, right? That's what the sermon is all about, right? <laughs> so um, last night I went and saw a guy named Terry Talbot. Um, he's the older brother of John Michael Talbot. Anybody remember the Talbot brothers? Scott, okay, a couple people here, maybe from Catholic, right? So uh, they were part of a band called the Mason Prophets, um, and they started out as just a, a regular band back in the late 60s, early 70s. So um, Terry Talbot's older than me. Uh, he's, I think he's 71, he said. So um, I, need, I need my... So, um, so, he's, so the Mason Prophets, they actually toured with the Eagles and that sort, the, um, the Eagles before they were super popular, but they did very well, and then uh, they be, uh, Terry and John Michael became uh, Christians, um, came to faith, and so they started to change, and they started doing gospel songs during the, their set and things like that, and um, the guys from the Eagles were kind of like, what are you doing? Um, and actually, uh, Bernie Ledden, one of the original members of the Eagles, became a Christian himself, and um, they had a really strong impact on a lot of people. But it was kind of fun to talk, to hear some of his stories from those days. You may remember um, John Michael and Terry put out two albums that became very popular. Uh, one was, I think, The Lord's Supper or Communion, and the other was uh, The Painter. The Painter was super popular. But when I was in junior high, we didn't have middle schools back when I was young, I was in junior high, in our church, we did one of the John Michael Talbot musicals, and I think it was The Painter, um, as, a, as a youth choir, and it was kind of a musical type production. So um, it was kind of fun to go and see him. You know, when you get to that age, you're kind of wondering if they're gonna be, how they're gonna be performing, and he was rocking it. He, he's actually a worship leader at a church in Fresno, um, and led in worship at the end of the time. But one of the funny things he said was when he was in the Mason Prophets and they started doing more Christian stuff, they started doing um, Christian conferences and things. And like they did 20,000 people um, in, in concerts and things like that. And so they're in the Mason Prophets and uh, Caleb, the Christian radio station came out and they started having charts like, like popular music. Um, and they would say this, this is number 10 on the charts and this is number 3 on the charts and and Terry and John Michael were like, oh, that's so terrible. We're Christians. We shouldn't be looking for, for people to <laughs> applaud us and looking for uh, that kind. We're, we're doing it for God. And then they went to a conference one time, and, and somebody walked up to him and said, did you know you're number two on the charts? <laughs> and he was like, oh, really? <laughs> wow. That's so cool. And then he was like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, I'm such a sinner. I'm so vain and all these things. So, uh, so what was funny, though, as I was uh, sitting, because when I first got there, it was, at, it was at the Mission Viejo Upper Room Coffee House um, off La Paz. And I first got there, and I was like, I want to sit close. And I went running up, and I sat in the second row so I could get a good view of him and take pictures of him and things like that. And it, it hit me. Um, the previous night, I'd gone to a concert, and I got front row seats in the, in, uh, concert venue, and it cost a 
percentage more than the seeds tobacco is. Um, it was quite a bit more expensive. And what hit me was that nobody fights for the front rows in churches. <laughs> it doesn't cost more. So bless you, both of you. And I was kind of driving home going, why is that? Doggone it, why aren't people fighting for the front rows? Um, and God kind of spoke in my ear and said, Lance, it's not about the pastor. It's not about the singers. It's not about the performance. People don't come to church for the performance. People come to come into the presence of God. And sometimes that means sitting in a place that feels right. Hayford says, we don't come to church and demand that God's presence comes into our church. We come to church humbly seeking God's presence. God is here, and we come humbly seeking his presence. So that's it's a good kind of moment for me, um, and it reminded me of our vision statement. Our vision statement, we read our mission statement a moment ago, but our vision statement says, here in Santa Ana, we are striving to connect people from every culture and from every generation to Jesus Christ and to each other. Our number one goal is to connect to Jesus Christ. That is the foundation, the fundamental reason and purpose for a church's existence, is to connect people to Jesus Christ. For us, we want to recognize that we're lots of different cultures and lots of different ages. We have little ones all the way up to, there's some people that are older in our congregation. But we also have little grommets running around too. And what do people from every culture and every generation have in common in this place? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Our mission statement says we are a community of faith in Jesus Christ. We're a community of faith in Jesus Christ. David read this passage from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and thank you for doing that uh, and being flexible. Um, David likes to prepare. I'm sure he had it printed out. He read through it several times to be ready to read, and I walked in and said, I have the wrong passage, and he just went, So I apologize, he did a, a fine job. Um, Paul begins this chapter by saying, you were dead through sin. Sin brought death to you. Not you were lost, or you were unhappy, or you were unfulfilled, or anything like that. You were dead through sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, remember, mercy means uh, not receiving a punishment that you are, uh, that we deserve. That's mercy. When you don't receive a punishment that we deserve. But you, uh, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of great love with which he loved us. If you remember nothing else, remember, God loves you. 
God loves you so much he sacrificed his son for you. God loves you. Um, a love that goes beyond our human understanding. Out of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Through Jesus Christ, God takes us from death into life. Paul goes on to say, by grace you have been saved. So remember, mercy is not receiving a punishment that you deserve. Grace is receiving a gift you don't deserve. So mercy is taking away the negative, and grace is giving the positive. God's mercy saves us from death. God's grace gives us life, eternal life, abundant life. And then we get to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, a well-known passage, a well-known uh, couple of verses. Maybe you've memorized it. How many people know this? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, go home and memorize it this week. <laughs> For by grace you have been saved through faith. Salvation comes first and foremost through grace. It's a gift of God, something we don't deserve. We didn't earn it. For by grace, you have been saved. How do we obtain that gift? In Spanish. Okay, of course. Exactly. Almost, I was just about to say that. <laughs> For by grace, you have been saved through what? Faith, right? In Espanol, faith. Correct? Faith. So uh, we attain that gift through faith. God offers this gift of salvation. It's right here, but we have to take it by faith. We have to accept it. We have to receive it. We have to trust in it. Faith kind of means trust, right? I did, I've told you that story of my woodshop teacher and the bench and all of that, right? So, no, you have to sit into it. You have to trust it enough to sit on your faith to believe in Jesus Christ. Um, if we do not accept it, if we do not receive it, if we do not trust it, then we are not saved. It's, it's really simple. People oftentimes will say, I refuse your help. I refuse to accept this gift you want to give to me. That's okay. That's a person's prerogative. Paul defines grace here when he says this. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not the results of work so that no one may boast. I mean, sometimes I think we think in the church that it's some kind of competition, like I'm a better person than the other people. And so I'm going to earn a greater spot in God's kingdom. I'm going to earn my way into heaven. Um, it's kind of like looking to gain favor with a king of a country, right? Well, I'm going to go conquer this uh, nation for you, or I'm going to go rescue these people for you, or I'm going to bring you a large gift. Um, no. A lot of people say, if you want to get into heaven, be good. That's not what the Bible says. These verses tell us very clearly, you are never good enough. The only way to get into heaven is through Jesus Christ, the grace of God, and we receive it through faith. 
Only one person in human history has been moral enough to get into heaven. And his name is? Jesus Christ. That's right. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. Ain't nobody good enough. Okay? But that's the awesome news about salvation. God loves us so much that he sent his one son, who is good enough, to take our penalty of sin away, to die on the cross, that death that we deserve, so that we might have life. All we have to do is accept that gift. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. Good. Some people are listening. That's good. <laughs> you haven't fallen asleep yet. Nap time's almost half over. And this, not of your own doing, it is the what? Gift. Gift of God. Not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Um, now, a little side note here. This whole grace and faith and God's gift and all, it's not like this idea that, oh, God loves me and is going to give me a gift of salvation. All I have to do is receive it so... I don't have to be moral at all. I can do whatever I want. Did you say amen? <laughs> so, as a friend of mine used to say, oh, I love to sin, God loves to forgive, it's a great relationship. <laughs> um, but Paul doesn't leave it there. We just talked about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Verse 10 says, For we are what God has made us created in Christ Jesus for good works. We were created to do good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We're meant to do good works. We are created to do good works. Not in order to earn salvation, it's just because that is what we were made to do. Pencil sharpeners were made to sharpen pencils. Lawnmowers were made to uh, mow lawns. Thomas said low lawns. Um, and we were made to do good works. So it's foundational to the church. Faith in Jesus Christ. If any church has a mission statement that does not mention faith in Jesus Christ, they have gone astray. Some time ago I preached a sermon about faith in Jesus and I, I kind of started to do this refrain. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And Janice Towner the other day, she said, you know, I just keep remembering that sermon. It's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about my situation. It's not about my finances. It's not about my family. It's not about my work. It's all about Jesus. That is our primary focus in a church. What a great reminder. At the core of who we are, at the core of what we do, it's about Jesus. Jesus even said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's about Jesus. At Pentecost, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. It's about Jesus. Later, when Peter was arrested, he said, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. 
It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. Jesus is the cornerstone of who we are and what we do. The cornerstone, that means foundation, solid, rock. It's that old hymn, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is shifting sand. So when you come to church, this should be a time in your week that you stand on solid ground. You feel that solidness, that connection to Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, it's all about Jesus. We seek for people, no matter their ethnic background, their financial position, their political affiliation, their age or gender, we seek for all people to connect with Jesus Christ and with one another. And we're building a community of faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is what we're about. Jesus Christ defines who we are. Jesus Christ inspires us to do what we do. Now here's the thing. Even though Jesus is solid and Jesus is perfect and Jesus is without sin, we're not. <laughs> Jesus is perfect. The church, not so much, right? Sometimes church is a little hard. Sometimes we're dealing with people. We want people to connect with Jesus, but sometimes we get in the way. My personality gets in the way of somebody else connecting with Jesus. Our imperfections get in the way. We want to be a community of faith in Jesus Christ, but sometimes we lack trust. and We start spinning our wheels. We stop relying on Christ and we start trying to do things our own way. Trying to earn God's favor. Um, trying to please people. Can't please everybody, right? Sometimes church is hard. Last Sunday we had our session, our Board of Elders meeting, and Becky Human was supposed to bring the um, devotional, and she brought this liturgy called Church is Hard, and we read it as a session together, just one person at a time, and I liked it so much, I said, I'm going to include it in the service today. Um, so we're going to do, we're going to go through that liturgy uh, in a moment, and we're going to invite the readers to come forward at this time. As they do, I want us all to be thinking about the fact that church can be hard. But even when church is hard, it can also be beautiful, right? So at the end of the lit liturgy, you'll be given a few moments of silence to write down on a piece on your bulletin uh, why church is hard for you. And then write down on the bulletin what, what is beautiful about the church to you. And you can share those with people at lunch today. Okay? So you write down one reason church is hard for you, and then one way in which the church is beautiful to you. So let's continue our worship with this liturgy. 